Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. Tuesday in the 11 o'clock hour, we always talk uh, to uh, folks that are engaged in the NOLA coalition, whether they are a 501c3 organization or some other member of the community, member of the business community, bringing back, um, giving back, I should say, excuse me, to our community in in an attempt to make it better for each one of us to live, work, and raise our families. And I know that all sounds cliche, but there are a lot of difference makers out there. There's a lot that government can and should not be in the, doing quite frankly that others have to backfill and step up and provide for our community in order to achieve some level of success and as we compete against other communities the broader the healthier that these programs are the better we are in a better position that we find ourselves in in competing across the gulf south and today's no different we're joined by gregory ravy um President of Heroes of New Orleans, a 501c3 grassroots organization. Gregory, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Gregory, uh, happy new year to you and all the folks that work within your organization. Let's start out talking about um, your relationship, or I know most everybody's just starting a relationship with NOLA Coalition. Your thoughts about this NOLA Coalition endeavor? Um, yeah, first of all, happy new to you and happy new year to you as well. Um, so I think the relationship, uh, between our organization and NOAA coalition, uh, and any organization that they're working with right now, collaborative efforts are so important because, you know, I think, you know, as you said, at the top of the conversation, you know, uh, a lot of times we're limited in certain areas and it's important that where we fall at, you know, others can kind of help us, you know, grow at, um, and so we're not taking on these issues alone, uh, and we have support out there in different areas to broaden our reach. What, and so uh, tell us a little bit about your organization, Heroes of New Orleans. All right. Yeah, so absolutely. We're dedicated to helping youth and families that are living in poverty or at risk at living in poverty uh, through various ways of mentorship, uh, professional development, uh, career journeys, um, youth and family support. Um, and so we we kind of navigate in that 365 surrounding of working with families and making sure that we're able to help them in any way we can to be successful and empower them to grow out of poverty. We hear a lot about the trials and tribulations, obviously, the challenges related to poverty. Yep. You have a kid come before you Tell us that story around that kid. I mean, I know one story kind of begets the next story, right? Yep. Yeah, and so, again, you know, you have a kid come uh, come to our program in need, right? And so we are here and put in place to provide a service. And so and with that understanding of people are going to have a need, 
I think a lot of times when we are working with young adults, um, we always have in mind what they should stop doing, uh, what they shouldn't be doing, but we very seldom ask them, what's the need and can we meet that need and can our program meet that need? Not just what we can offer them through the scope of work that we deliver, but can we meet their need in its entirety, whether that's through us or working with organ- other organizations. And so a lot of, uh, you know, big need that our youth is having is, you know, is obviously financial need. You know, we're living in a tough time right now. We're in two. It's very competitive. Social media is right in front of our youth face. Um, they're participating in households uh, as not youth but adults. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the reasons why our program is catered toward young adults, and we pay a stipend to our young adults, uh, $500 per month, 250 every two weeks, because we know that's one of the needs that they face, and, and that's, you know, one of the biggest driving forces behind some of the things that are happening out here currently. So as we're dealing with this um <clears throat> What do you hear specifically from these young adults? I mean, a lot of these folks um, that that you're working with have already gone through grammar school, right? Have already uh, been through middle school, probably are are embarking on high school or just finished high school. Mm-hmm. What are they telling you about their experience and what are they drawing from that? Or how many of these kids are not even don't even present themselves with that experience? Uh, I think um, one thing is uh, we can't expect out of a kid what we didn't put into him. And so every uh, situation is a case by case. It's, you know, our program approaches in that in that manner because we know every kid's situation is different. Every kid learns different. Every kid has different needs. And so, again, you know, we like to meet that specific kid need. Um, but also they're also a product of our environment, you know, what we have to offer and what we don't have to offer. I mean, we can, you know, kind of lay the blame in a certain area, but what area fall that, you know, we have to be willing to pick up in a different area. And so if you say, for example, you know, school wasn't, that wasn't, enough time for this kid to kind of learn at the pace that they need to learn to go out into the real world and be successful. That's why, you know, after school programs, so does ours come in there to assist, you know, and work collaboratively with that school and, you know, uh, or that church or whatever opportunity that's out there for us to come together and wrap our arms around that kid to make sure they have everything that they need. I think a lot of times we focus in one area and hang our head in that one area. And when we do that, that's where I think our biggest failure come in at. But you would agree that education is not just about information, it's about formation, right? I mean, it's about mm-hmm. the, the, the creation of community, working with, with mm-hmm. other students, learning from your peers and, and things yep. of that nature, figuring out mm-hmm. where your moral compass is going to be. Um, and, you know, I just I, I'm trying to, to figure out from you because you see it, mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, yep. You touch it, I don't. Um, yep. every day, um, you know, and I think a lot of our listeners who, who want to to give of themselves uh, in one way mm-hmm. or another, a lot of times they're confused a little bit about what the messaging is, right? I mean, we talk about uh, a lot of different things holistically, but we yep. also spend a lot of money on education. One of the big things that I'm going to be talking about a lot in 2024 is truancy. We have one of the worst yep. truancy mm-hmm. rates around uh mm-hmm. we need to figure out a way to keep our kids in school um yep. you know and and even a mediocre school is better than being out on the street in my view yep. uh, in my yep. experience your thoughts yes yeah uh, i think um you know as it relates to school you're absolutely right we definitely want our kids in school um i also think that you know um, we need to 
elevating the school area where we're offering more to kids um, through school and understanding them from the individual approach, approach like who's uh, destined for college or who's destined for the workforce and how early can we identify that or who's, you know, in school and need extra support and assistance. You know, one of the things, you know, that we assist a kid with, we got a kid in our program. Um, she has, you know, she's a kid herself, but she has kids. Right. And so, but she still want to go to school. She want to participate. What does that look like for her? What type of support that we have to put around her for her to have that opportunity, you know, through the mistakes that she made to still be, have an opportunity to get her degree. Uh, but that educational track may look a little different from a student who didn't have kids or who has, you know, a two parent home who does have, you know, any food insufficiencies like, so, you know, that, that looks real different for both of those students. But again, I think that, um, school becomes less important if you're dealing with so many other factors that need to be addressed so you can focus on school. So if you have a kid that's hungry or you have a kid that live in a single parent home who's coming from a place where no lights are on and, you know, uh, school is less important. They're really probably going there to, you know, to get some warmth, uh, some cold, depending on what season it is, and some food. Um, but they have some big responsibilities, and a lot of our kids losing our losing their innocence at a young age, where they are concerned with these things. This is a really thing that's really happened. And when you get to the adult stage of it, you know, adults, you know, pretty much want to talk about what's important, not what's affecting them. So, in many respects, what you're saying is that. There's a certain population of kids that are in public education today that really are more focused on life skills than than they are about education because they have no intention in advancing their education, um, but they need to know the life skills in order to be able to achieve levels of success when they're just out in the world working, right? Right. No, and I think, you know, the they do have, you know, ambitions of, of achieving their success track. And yeah, but they're different. That, there's different types of achievement. I don't mean it in a negative yeah. way. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. formal education is for some folks. It's not for others. And absolutely, I get it. Right. I mean. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, but what I was going to say, not to say that you make it in a negative way, uh, what I was going to say is that, again, that individual approach wears into it's not just having something for both sides, for both situations and not just one situation because, again, if everybody was a great test taker and you put 20 people in that classroom, right, and then you say, okay, we want to find out who the great test, great test taker is, everybody who passed the test may be a great test taker. And then you put some people in that same group in a carpentry class and then, you know, another group of people do really well no skills. So, you know, I think we're saying the same thing. You want to make sure that you have opportunities for people to be successful across the board and not yeah. just this one system that we're kind of shoving people into. You know, because I, 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 I looked at a lot of what the, the programs that y'all offer, and, and these are all yep. incredible programs. And I guess I've never really had the – over the weekend, I wasn't too busy, and I, was, I grew a little weary of watching some of the football games, so I went and jumped on the screen <laughs> and was looking at it, you know. And, was, and it occurred – and I never asked – I've never asked anyone that's running a program, you know, similar to yours – How much easier would it be for you if we had a more proactive school that was kind of working more in conjunction with your mindset as opposed to the mindset that we have right now? Mm -hmm. Um, I think uh, it would be really uh, easy, and I think it would be really helpful. 
But I also think that to their defense, they're really bogged down with a lot of issues. Um, I was in the meeting, and I, I go to these meetings uh, as it relates to, like, school boards and, you know, JJIC, because I want to be in every area where I can help and build system and give the information. And, you mm-hmm. know, they are dealing with some really big issues. Um, and not to say that the other ones should go and look or notice, but I think, again, from a collaborative effort, we can address all those issues because it's a community problem. I think a lot of times we divide these problems into a school problem or a juvenile problem or any different problems. It's like, no, it's one community problem, and the community can understand that and come together to service that problem. We'll be a lot better off than trying to tackle these individual issues because, you know, same as us, that's why we do the 360 and helping our families because we know once we send them back into the homes, we send them back into that home when we want to change not only the youth, but we want to help the family as well so that way we can make sure that we're addressing the whole issue and not just one side of it. Same as with school, right? Yeah, I mean, I, when when you talk about, like, the the 360 model, if if, if the school was even at 270, <laughs> You know, as opposed yep. to <laughs> as opposed to three sixty, and I right. and I don't mean I'm, I'm not trying to minimize it, but for example, yes, you know you know as well as I that there are kids that that have um, learning disability and challenges. Yes, absolutely. Right? Yep, yep. We, we spend more we spend more time testing for educational proficiency as opposed mm-hmm. to testing for what their particular challenge may or may not be, mm-hmm. and what is the mm-hmm. best way for them to absorb the material. For example, one Uh student may have a visual spatial analysis uh, perception problem. Well, that we know that there's a body of science out there and the best way for those kids to actually learn. But we don't Uh spend Uh a lot of time working in in that sphere. You know, the the mental health component, bringing it into the school so that it's closer to that 360 um, in Uh in a meaningful way. Uh, so that those mm-hmm. kids can can achieve some early onset successes, especially from age three to seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, again, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree, and that's why I said, you know, the approach from the individual standpoint may cost a lift, may cost way more, and may cost for more time. But I think it's the best approach because you know we're focusing on individuals instead of groups. So I think you're absolutely right in that area. Yeah, because when I look at the programs that y'all offer, workforce development, mentorship, you know, uh, obvious education and training components and youth Mm -hmm. sports and all all of the things that you want kids involved in, the setting of their moral compass and working with NOPD with community-oriented policing and engaging in neighborhood and community groups. But the the interesting thing is is that you – the disparity of one to another has got to be huge of participants within your organization, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, so, and so let me say this, too. Um, we do work in schools. Uh, we have a program uh, we call Wise Guys, where we will, we're currently in uh, five schools right now, and we work with just young men ages 14 to 18. Uh, mm-hmm. We provide a stipend for that program as well. And so we are in schools. Um, mentoring young men and, you know, letting them know how important it is to stay in school, how to uh, communicate, avoid teen pregnancy, um, fatherhood, and all those different things, you know, that they may necessarily have that information at home. We are, you know, in, currently in the schools. We've been doing this for about going on three years now. 
Yeah. Well, but my whole point is, and I mean, you're making my case, is that they ought to have a lot more y'all in, in these schools doing this. Obviously, Absolutely. they don't have all the dollars necessary, but that's my point. You know, yep. you're, you're running a 360 program. They're, they're at, I don't know, 180, 220. I don't know where they are. Every school is different, right? But right. it would be great if we could have all of this, because I know y'all touch a lot of kids' lives in the hundreds. I mean, <laughs> you know, and... But we, we need to touch into thousands and tens of thousands, right? And, yes, um, yes. And, and I just, you know, to start off 2024, you just happened to be my first conversation. I said, let me kind of approach this a, a little different. I've heard about your yes. program. I know a lot of people that support your, your program think very highly of your program. Um, Thank you. You know, and I just, it, it's just one of those things that I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to think outside of the box and, create some shock yeah. and awe maybe for lack of a better yeah. term because we every day that goes by we lose another day and I, I and i know it's probably it's frustrating uh you have a lot of rewarding experiences but i guess there's a lot of frustrating experiences as well yes 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 we uh, uh last year uh that closing last year um uh, you know we we lost obviously no students to gun violence, you know, we had students to be affected by gun violence, you know, it, it, it affects our program. Um, but again, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, we're, you know, every year we're looking to increase our name, increase our reach, um, you know, through a, uh, a partnership with our state resolution board. Uh, we was able to open up the second location, the Arthur Monday Center, which I have, uh, you know, for our families to be able to, you know, get family services, computer lab, you know, help a resume building, got job, you know, search, you know, all of those great things. But, you know, that's in the effort to be able to provide more services to more families because it's desperately needed. And, again, a lot of this stuff comes with funding, which I think all organizations, you know, one of that's what the areas that they're struggling. But, you know, when you're passionate about this work, you get it done. But I think that the more you, you create opportunities in spaces like this, the more people are going to come to the help and stop trying to, you know, be in a survival mode and figure everything out, uh, where we kind of find ourselves, at, I think, in these days and these times right now as well. Gregory, if people want to reach out to you, where where can they find you? They can find us at www.heroesofnola.org uh, on our website. Uh, we're on all social media platforms at Heroes of New Orleans. Uh, our phone number is 504-388-4601. It's my number. Uh, I'm willing to collab and work uh, with anybody out there to be able to make our community a better, safer, stronger place for our youth and our families. Um, and... Again, visit our website, check out our programs, and see how you can get involved because volunteers is one of the backbones of any organization, and, boy, do we need them ever in these times. Absolutely. Gregory Ravy, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, Happy New Year to you, all the members of your organization, the volunteers, and obviously the folks that you all are helping out. We wish yep. the best for you in 2024. Thank you so much, and I just want to give a real shout-out to my team. Uh, they do a phenomenal job. I don't do this work alone, so thank you so much, and also our sponsors uh, and donors. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Gregory Ravy, president of Heroes of New Orleans. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Folks, uh, in the 12 o'clock hour, we'll visit with Ron Fauche and um, we'll talk about uh, what's going to be going on in this country in 2024 from a political standpoint. I did want to give a, a shout out to the lieutenant governor and his uh, staff and all of the volunteers that worked in the Rose Parade. The float wins an award for the third consecutive year. Uh, they uh, won an award this year for showmanship and entertainment. Um, this is the second year in a row that, that they win that particular recognition. So congratulations to all of the folks. There were over 100 volunteers who worked on that float that went out uh, to uh, California. A lot of Louisianians that live in California made themselves available um, for Louisiana, and we want to thank them as well. And congratulations to the Louisiana Office of Tourism Explored Louisiana Float for winning for the second year in a row the Showmanship Award. So I wanted to, um, I, I don't know if y'all saw the float. I did. Uh, I made it my business to watch the parade and, and to get to see the float. It was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it was it was a, a gorgeous float. I think one of the prettiest, uh, if not the prettiest float uh, in the parade. Of course, I'm biased, but um, have, I have to say that it really was. So let's, um, a study commissioned by the Department of Defense, you will remember that uh, there was uh, significant concern by Secretary Lloyd Austin and others in the Biden administration about the extent of extremism that may or may not uh, existed within the armed services. So uh, there was a lot of rhetoric uh, about this issue. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin said that January 6th was a wake-up call on the extent of right-wing extremism in the military. While then, um, and also John Kirby, who was the Pentagon spokesman at the time, he's moved up to the White House now, told CNN that the problem was vexing, that many of these people uh, worked very hard to conceal their beliefs. We can't be the thought police and that this was a problem. Well, there was an IDA study which uh, was the group that was uh, utilized the Defense Analysis, Institute for Defense Analysis, excuse me. And I've, I've read a number of their publications. And they said there were fewer than 100 substantiated cases per year of extremist activity by members of the military in recent years. And uh, it seems as though that we may have blown this out of proportion uh, and that we're not really clear about the context of what extremism really is because there's been this move afoot of uh, changing, excuse me, or moving the definition. It's become very fluid 
definitions uh, in today's word, world. And um, so there's really not a lot of evidence that service members were charged at a different rate than members of the general population. There were 700 federal cases as a result of January 6. Most were former members of the military. Fewer than 10 were actually active members of the military. So there's really um, no data that, that, that says that they were charged at a different rate than any other member of any other organization in the general population as it relates to January 6th. But this is obviously broader and bigger than January 6th. The Wall Street Journal came out the other day and was commended the IDA for their report for confirming that the existing Uniform Code of Military Justice should not be updated to explicitly forbid political extremism within the ranks because no one, where's, where's the bright line of what political extremism may or may not be, right? And researchers no, um, noted that commanders can rely on Article 116, riot or breach of peace, Article 88, contempt toward officials, Article 109, Destruction or damage to property, Article 115, communication of threats, amongst other such as assault, and then the general provisions of local or state laws that, that exist uh, as well, that there was really no reason to change this and to move um, to uh, anything else from a definitional standpoint. And again, this is these are the sound bites in an election year where we're trying to do certain things at certain times. You're going to see a lot of this in 2024. We saw it before about this hoax and that hoax, and we have to debunk this story and that story because it's off and running and trying to create a dialogue, a rhetoric around a particular issue for a particular political purpose, and this year is going to be worse than most. So that's why I love when you have data so in the month of december southern border again another record hit 302,000 encounters with illegal migrants in the month of december so we break a record it's really an amount that no one ever thought we would hit 302,000 migrants were documented attempting to cross the uh U.S. southern border between December 1st and December 31st. It's highest total for a single month ever recorded. It's also the first time that migrant encounters have, exi- have uh, um, exceeded 300,000, right? So this continues to be a problem. We sent uh, Blinken and others to go meet with AMLO, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, uh, to try and step up efforts to thwart this migration flow. Uh, There's a group of about, allegedly, they said it's going to be as high as 15,000 people moving towards the border to come across in the coming weeks, and it's going to be interesting to see what's going to actually happen there and uh, how this is going to reveal itself. Now, you remember that Kamala Harris was uh, a appointed as the point person to tackle this problem at the root causes of migration and to disrupt human smuggling and to promote uh, economic investment in countries in South America and that they were going to embark upon 
these development programs in the region and that these things were going to deliver huge benefits to the economies of uh, these uh, countries and, and that you're going to begin to see that these flows would be diminished and we wouldn't see what we're seeing today. We wouldn't see these numbers and that we get back to kind of more of an orderly structured way of, of migration and hopefully we would have a lot more legal migration than we would as it relates to illegal uh, migration. So, you know, that, that, can, that continues to be a problem. So let's talk about this root cause and where, what are we doing and what have we uh, revealed as to what part of the problem is. You're going to love this story. So as it turns out, Nicaragua has turned out to be a real thorn in the U.S. side. The other day, they found a flight that contained 303 folks from the country of India en route to Nicaragua because they have relaxed their visa requirements, and they've actually done so in an attempt to attract international travelers that are headed to the U.S., in other words, headed to the southern border, because Nicaragua is very is relatively close, closer to the border. You don't have to go through the Darien Gap, where um, South America meets Central America and Panama, and go through the trials and tribulations of crossing numerous countries, Costa Rica, Panama, that um, you eliminate that. And the other countries in South America, if you're landing in Colombia, wherever it may be, and you shorten the trip. And they're making money, right? So they find out that there's this plane sitting in France, uh, they uncover, that's headed to Nicaragua. And um, they also find out that these are all folks from India. And it turns out that uh, Ortega, Dan Daniel Ortega, is really playing with the United States on this issue, right? And because there are sanctions that we've imposed on Nicaragua, uh, that he figures that he's going to be a thorn in our side to try and force negotiations with us over the sanctions that have been imposed on members of his inner circle, kind of like what we did to the Russians and in, in, in the the oligarchs were doing to the same same thing to those criminals that Daniel Ortega has surrounded himself with in in that particular country. Well, he doesn't like it. So what he's doing is he's he's actually bringing in thousands upon thousands upon that. You would think that this number would be in the hundreds. This number is far greater than what most people recognize or realize. And, it, and it's still continuing till, until today. So the United States has actually had to take a different approach. The United States has actually had to go on after the companies that they're hiring to fly these jets and going after them as opposed to going after the country of Nicaragua. In fact, in the previous three months um, to October 30th, they had, there were over 30,000 people that would, had been transported just from the country of Haiti.
and the, the Haitians were traveling north by land through Honduras and, and, and up to the U.S. border. The State Department announced a new visa restriction policy targeting the owners, executives, and senior officials of companies providing these charter flights into Nicaragua designed just to get what they refer to as irregular, irregular, not illegal, ir- irregular migrants to to the United States. They're, they're really straining to figure out a way to call them anything other than what they are. Now, in come the Romanians. So a lot of these charter flights that are from other countries, they the, the U.S. starts to identify and goes after them. Who fills in? The Romanians. They come in, and now they're, they're doing all of this. They interviewed the folks from India on that flight. They're paying anywhere from $48,000 to 150000 to board that plane. Roughly 100,000 Indian nationals have arrived at the U.S.-Mexico border in 2023, more than 10 times the number in 2019, and predominantly they've come through, you guessed it, Nicaragua. And they continue to come through today. The same thing happened relative to Cuba. Cubans were arriving in Managua. Nicaragua, which is the capital city of Nicaragua. Um, And again, this was done from a Venezuelan airline. Yep, we've got great relationships with Venezuela. We're over there trying to buy their oil, and meanwhile, they're trying to circumvent and undercut our policies at the border. This has been a foreign, this administration has been a foreign policy nightmare. Now, remember, We're going to get to the root cause, right? And we're going to resolve this with a root cause strategy. You think any of these countries are compliant? Almost every one, there are examples over and over again of not being compliant, and in fact working to the detriment of the U.S. But they're still sending your taxpayer money to these countries. Sanction Nicaragua? How about send them no money? How about that? Forget about this root cause approach that you're trying to do because it's not working. And it's not ever going to work. Because no matter how much money that you give them, there's someone that's going to give them more. And that's what this highlights more so than anything else. They they can make more money by engaging in this, contrary to the best interests of of our country, and continue to do what they do. They even hire experts that provide. Part of this package, it's like a travel agency now. It's like a travel agency business where you pay one price. It's all-inclusive. You get meals, lodging, transportation to the Mexican-U.S. border. And you get an assistant assigned to you to help you fill out the Custom and Border Protection One app. Remember what the Biden policy was on the One app? If you're on the out, on the outside looking into this country, you fill out this One app on the Internet, and you're going to get what? Preferential treatment. You're going to get in, even though there's not an area 
of the immigration law to really allow you in. So what do they do? They'd go develop a cottage industry around the Biden policy. You can't make this up. Well, you couldn't in 2023. Hopefully you're not going to be able to in 2024. We'll see. We'll be right back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Got a text here. What the governors of Texas and Florida did to inundate sanctuary cities was illegal. What Nicaragua is doing is just taking advantage of the laws of our that our Congress won't, won't pass. Well, that's not necessarily true. The federal government hires non-governmental organizations, otherwise known as NGOs, and in many cases it's the Catholic Church, to provide services to illegals that are coming across the border every day. And in fact, they decide what cities that they are actually going to host them in, predominantly border states, border cities. The only thing that the governors of Texas and Florida and other governors have done is to spread the wealth of the illegality. Not their illegality, the illegality of the individuals that come across the border. And the fact that this administration and this Congress, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent, have decided to not do anything about because of what folks are looking to get out of this bill. And what the big hang-up is here, folks, and let's just call it for what it is, is amnesty. Right. So basically what the Democrats are saying is we will support more enforcement. If you give all of those who have violated the law previously amnesty, that's analogous to saying we'll give you money for more police, but you give amnesty to all criminals before we give money to the police. That's basically what they're saying. And they want to give them an expedited path to citizenship. In other words, reward them for their illegality. While others who have been sitting outside of our country doing things the right way, filing the paperwork, through the cost of hiring lawyers, dealing with all of the administrative uh, stuff that needs to be done, trying to reconnect to their families who came into this country legally, that their, their numbers would be impacted and they wouldn't be given priority because Democrats want to give priority to those who, come, who broke the law, came into the country illegally. That, that's it in a nutshell. That's the sticking point as it relates to any congressional action at this point in time. 
We'll, we'll agree to give more money, more enforcement, more everything down at the border, but everyone had figured out a way to shuck and jive U.S. laws. We want you to give them amnesty. You give them amnesty, and you give them an expedited path to citizenship, we're all in. And there are those, including myself, that think that that's just not really the message that you want to send to the world, right? Because what's going to happen is the criminal element's going to figure out, well, if they did this once, they'll do it again. All we need to do is create another crisis. And when we create that crisis, they're going to have to deal with this all over again. Because the fact of the matter is, is that if they put $200 trillion in this effort tomorrow, there's still a battle over building a wall. There's still a battle over AI, artificial intelligence, and the utilization at the southern border. There's still a, a battle over technology and the utilization at the southern border. They're still not willing to give all the tools necessary because this is not, there's not one panacea solution, and we will continue to fight, and we'll be two decades down the road, and there still won't be anything that will be happening meaningfully. So everybody knows, they'll just play this game, and then we'll see, and we'll be right back where we started before. Because we're not being honest. We're talking in sound bites. We're talking in word salad. We don't mean what we actually are trying to articulate what we are saying to people, and we know it, and we're being dishonest and deceptive when we do so. Not different than any other conversation that we're having up there in Congress for the most part. We'll be right back. On a text line, what do you want to do about all the other people that came here and lived until they became legal? You be honest. It's simple. An amnesty for registration no expedited process, in fact, an elongated process, and, and make it punitive in that elongated process, and then define and articulate what you can be immediately deported for when you're in this status. And if you violate any of that, you are immediately deported. You send the message that you don't get treated in a special fashion because you decided to break immigration laws to come to this country, but you still give the path to a citizenship, just not an expedited one. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 